What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like... What the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Something to note, Journey to the West, the original source for much of the Monkey King myth, has undergone a number of translations. For this episode, we primarily used Arthur Whaley's 1942 translation, supplemented with more modern translations of the story. Our myths may not always be the version you're familiar with, but we hope you'll enjoy them. The monk Tripitaka was pleased with how his quest was proceeding. He may have lost his two human companions, but he had gained three magical ones through the efforts of Bodhisattva Guan Yin. Sun Wukong, the monkey king, and Chu Pachi, the pig spirit, were his protectors, while Yulong, a river dragon, had been transformed into his horse. With such escorts, no one could impede their progress. Or so Tripitaka thought. Mm, not another river! <laughs> Scared of getting wet, monkey? Don't make me thrash you again, pig! Wait, I see a sign up ahead. River of the Flowing Sands. There's a poem beneath. Uh, allow me to guess. The water is deep. You will drown if you try to cross it. Is that an accurate reading? I thought you liked poetry, monkey. I love poetry. I hate rivers we can't cross. Uh, who dares enter my domain? A demon rose up in their path. It had a fiery red beard and a necklace of skulls circled its neck. Its eyes blazed with fury. Sun Wukong brandished his staff ready to battle this new foe. Who are you? I am Shaojin. I was once General of Heaven, and I am now the protector of the River of the Flowing Sands. If you wish to cross, you will do so at your own peril. I will eat your flesh and add your remains to my necklace. <clears throat> you weren't, by any chance, placed here by Guan Yin? Uh, she may have had something to do with it. Were you instructed to wait for a Tong monk? What's it to you? <laughs> Tripitaka, my friend, I think you have found another disciple. The Monkey King's intuition was true. Sha Wu Jin, or Friar Sand, as his group would call him, was yet another disgraced spirit placed in Tripitaka's path to aid him. But even with another spirit as his disciple, their route would grow ever more treacherous, and its end was further away than any of them could imagine. Welcome to Mythology, a ParCast original, 
every Tuesday we present dramatic stories from ancient mythology and explore their origins. I'm your host and narrator, Vanessa Richardson. You can find all episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Mythology for free on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help. Today, we're telling the third and final chapter of The Monkey King. In part one, we explored the story of Sun Wukong's birth and how he gained his many magical abilities and became the Monkey King. In part two, we followed him as he was recruited by the monk Tripitaka to aid in a holy journey. This week, the monk and his posse of disgraced immortals fight their way west to Buddha's palace on Vulture Peak, where they hope to retrieve the sacred scrolls and, in the case of the Monkey King, find forgiveness for past sins. Though English-speaking listeners may be less familiar with it, Journey to the West is one of the most frequently adapted pieces of literature in the world. Since it was first conceived in the 16th century, it's been translated into operas, stage plays, comics, television series, and films produced across the world. It is one of the most universal pieces of mythology ever written. And Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, is key to that success. Of the four heroes of Journey to the West, he is far and away the most popular— like the pig spirit, Chupachi, he embodies the flaws of humanity. But unlike his counterpart, he shows a real desire for change throughout the course of the story, even if that desire is often held back by his pride. True to the Buddhist philosophy that informs the myth, Sun Wukong's greatest enemy is not any demon or spirit he has to fight or outwit— but rather his own arrogance and short-sightedness. And the extraordinary length of their expedition gives Sun Wukong plenty of chances to make arrogant mistakes. Since Sha Wujin, the sand demon, joined their journey, the trials facing Tripitaka, Sun Wukong, and Chu Pachi only increased in frequency. Demons, ogres, and hostile spirits seemed to lurk in the shadows every time they made camp, and it often fell to one of the travelers to keep watch overnight. All of the companions, save for Yulong, the river dragon currently acting as Tripitaka's horse, took monastic vows alongside their leader. If they were to undertake such a journey, they were to do it in the most pious way possible. First, Tripitaka taught them the five precepts, or basic tenets to lead a spiritual life as Buddhists. These included abstaining from murder, theft, sexual misconduct, lying, and intoxicants. Chu Pachi mumbled grumpily through the third precept, sexual misconduct, but a swift kick from Sun Wukong made him quiet down. Early one morning, the travelers found themselves walking across open hills without a monster in sight. It was a welcome relief, but one that reminded them just how far from their destination they were. <laughs> how much farther until we reach Vulture Peak? I know not, but remember, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Do you object to me quoting a Taoist, Wu Kong? Not at all, Master. But back when I was causing havoc in heaven, that particular Taoist broke a vase over my head. Huh? You fought Lao Tzu? He probably did not find you much of a challenge. I swear to Buddha, pigs. Wu Kong, behave yourself. Remember Guan Yin's gold band? 
Sun Wukong stammered an apology, clutching at the magical gold circlet on his forehead, afraid Tripitaka would make it tighten again. He wished he could pry the awful thing off of his forehead, but it was created by the Bodhisattva Guanyin and unbreakable. Eager to leave Chu Pachi's company, Sun Wukong hopped upon a cloud and zipped off into the distance. The others waited patiently for his return. Tripitaka felt a strange tingling in the air, almost like lightning was about to strike nearby. But the sky was clear. This feeling was not caused by the weather. Somebody, or something, was approaching. He looked around, but did not see any change in the surrounding landscape. Moments later, he saw a figure creeping over the nearest hill. It was a woman, carrying a blue pot in one hand and a green jar in the other. Her face was the purest alabaster white, and her eyes shone from within. Her dress hung in such a way that the neckline dipped lower than Tripitaka was used to. He averted his eyes before he could take in too much of her beauty. He was a monk, after all. He noticed moments later that his companions did not show the same restraint. Sha Wujin's eyebrows were knitted with suspicion, but Chu Pachi's mouth hung slack. His gaze was fixed on the woman, and though Tripitaka was naive in such things, even he could see the animal lust in the pig spirit's gaze. Chu Pachi adjusted his bandana and sauntered up to the woman. Where are you going, most fair goddess? Greetings, travelers. When I was young, I took a vow to feed any monks passing by my home. And where might your home be, O oh, radiant one? My companions and I are quite hungry. Just west of White Tiger Ridge, but you won't have to go far. This pot is full of rice, and this jar is full of mian gin. We can eat it here if you'd like. <clears throat> Thank you for the offer, miss, but my other disciple is off picking us some fruit. We will be fine. Chipitaka, why are you turning this woman down? Can you not smell the food she is carrying? We have not met a friendly face for miles. Why would our fortune change so suddenly? I think you're just jealous she looked at me first. Of all the absurd accusations. Very well. We'll eat here. The woman beamed. Her smile was so beautiful that Tripitaka couldn't believe he had initially distrusted her. A pleased shiver ran up his spine as the woman set her jar and pot in front of them. Chupachi was right. The scent of the steaming rice and mianjin, or wheat balls, was enticing. An instant later, the illusion was shattered. The woman's radiant smile faded as her eyes drifted past Tripitaka to something else. A blur of motion flew past Tripitaka's head, a familiar metal staff. Sun Wukong struck the woman across the face. Her head jerked to the side with a horrible snap, and then she collapsed onto the earth. Tripitaka stood there, stunned, his hands frozen in an outstretched gesture. His gaze slid over to Sun Wukong, but the Monkey King was busy prodding the woman's corpse with his staff. What have you done? I've saved your lives! I honestly do not know how you'll survive without me. You killed an innocent woman! No, it's not dead. The demon has merely fled this body. It will be back. Check the food she was going to serve you if you're not sure. Tripitaka kneeled down and opened the rice pot. Instead of rice, it was full of squirming centipedes. The jar of wheat balls held frogs and toads instead. Thank you, monkey. You saved us. Master, 
What if Wukong used magic to change our food into bugs and frogs so that he would escape punishment for his rash act? It does sound like a thing you are capable of. Master, I swear! I was telling the truth! Tripitaka began reciting the spell Guan Yin had taught him, causing the golden band around Sun Wukong's head to tighten painfully. He cried out for relief over and over until Tripitaka finally released him. Do you promise not to murder anyone else? Sun Wukong didn't dare talk back to Tripitaka again. As they set off on the road once more, he kept his head down and kept an eye out for the demon's return. Tripitaka wouldn't understand that after years of traveling between the heavens and the earth, Sun Wukong could spot a demon even when they wore a human form. His golden eyes knew the telltale signs. And this demon would be back. He was certain of it. Sure enough, a day down the road, they encountered an old woman limping on a cane. Excuse me, fellow travelers. Uh, have you seen a young lady walking this way? My daughter was taking food to some monks, but I have not heard from her since. I... I am so sorry. Your daughter, she... Monkey! Again? Curses! She saw me coming. You see, Master, every time it sees me about to strike a blow, it leaves the body behind. So it looks like I killed the woman, when really I just... Ow! 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 ow. Master! I was explaining myself! You were covering for your own dreadful crime. Admit it! <laughs> That's right! <laughs> Murderer! What do you have to say for yourself? I beg your forgiveness. <sighs> and you have it. For now, do not test me in the future. Tripitaka forced Sun Wukong to bury the old woman. When that was done, the monks continued their journey. More than once, Chu Pachi or Sha Wujin commented on the lack of demons in their path. The Monkey King rolled his eyes whenever they spoke, for he knew they had already seen the same demon on their path twice, and twice it had managed to escape. But Sun Wukong's alertness paid off before too long. Hearing something coming up the road, he quietly slipped away into the surrounding underbrush. Nestled amongst the ferns, he slyly peeked out at his companions on the road. An old man approached them, with a very similar countenance to the old woman they had seen further back up the road. Sun Wukong's gold eyes glinted. It was the same demon, he was certain. He gripped his staff and crept closer, muscles tensed at the ready. When he was in striking distance, he did not hesitate. This time, the demon did not see the monkey coming. His first blow struck the demon across the back of the head, and he beat it until its form was lifeless on the ground. As he stared at the body, it came apart and dwindled away until only pale white bones remained. I got you this time, white bone spirit! There is no teaching you. What? But master! That was the husband of the old woman you murdered, the father of the young woman. Have you no shame? Very well. Punish me if you have to, but you cannot deny that was a demon. Leave my sight, monkey. You are a monk no more. Sun Wukong gaped. He looked from Tripitaka's judgmental frown to Sha Wujin's impassive face and Chu Pachi's smug one. When his companions offered no support, he mounted his cloud and flew away. Unlike the first time he abandoned Tripitaka, Sun Wukong felt a pang of sadness in his chest. Tripitaka was a fool, but he was an honest fool. Better than a dishonest fool like Chu Pachi, the Monkey King shook his head. This chapter of his life was over. 
he would go back to what he knew best, spending time with his fellow monkeys. Coming up, the Monkey King returns home, abandoning his chance at redemption. Now back to the story. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, had traveled many leagues with Tripitaka, the Buddhist monk. Though the enchanted circlet around his head would hurt Sun Wukong if Tripitaka ever caught him misbehaving, he had grown fond of the monk, which made it all the more painful when Tripitaka ordered him to leave their band. Sun Wukong returned to the water curtain cave in Aulai, the home he had left all those years ago to pursue a place in the heavens. His loyal monkey subjects still lived there, though their numbers had diminished over the years due to hunters and attacks from heavenly forces, who still held a grudge against Sun Wukong. But even as he settled back into the routine of protecting his people from the mortal hunters, Sun Wukong felt an emptiness in his stomach. It made him think of the name his mentor Subuti had given him all those centuries ago, aware of vacuity. After half a millennia, its meaning still eluded him. When Chu Pachi arrived, he had completely lost track of time. <sighs> Sun Wukong! Thank Buddha I found you! I... Came here to gloat? To tell me you reached Vulture Peak without me? Not at all. I... Master misses you. He asked me to bring you back. Really? You're not just saying this because you've gotten into another fight with a demon that neither you nor Sha Wujin could handle? No. 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 We were merely sitting around the fire and Shibitaka says, Our band has felt slightly lesser now that Sun Wukong is no longer with us. It makes me sad. That's your problem, Pigsy. You're an utterly terrible liar. How do you know I am lying? Because you just said so! If I am going to rejoin your journey and save our master from almost certain death, I'll need something from you, too. What is that? I will need you to apologize. I am sorry. What are you sorry for? I am sorry for... not taking your side when you killed that demon. And? And... For calling you names. And? What else is there? Are you also sorry for being a pig-headed fool? <sighs> yes, I absolutely am. <sighs> a pig-headed fool. Good. Now let's go see what trouble our dear monk has gotten himself into. Tripitaka was overjoyed to see Sun Wukong again largely because he was minutes away from being eaten alive by yet another monster. Together, the band of heroes were able to rescue Tripitaka and continue west. Their adventures took them in and out of caves, up and down mountains and along winding rivers, with no end in sight. Sha Wujin, Chu Pachi, and Sun Wukong fought demons, bandits, and magicians the whole way. Vulture Peak had never felt further off, but after years of traveling from city to city, the four monks and the dragon horse felt unstoppable, until they needed a local king to sign their passports. The king stared down at the newcomers from his throne. They were a strange-looking lot, a red-bearded wizard, a pig in farmer's clothing, and a monkey with a crown. At the center of the peculiar party was a normal-looking monk. They were brought before the king in chains. The king gave a signal, and three figures emerged from a side door and joined his side. They were his three royal heads of religion, the immortals who had commanded the arrest of these newcomers. 
These are the prisoners, your grace. What are these men accused of? They killed two of our priests and chased off 500 Buddhists who were working for us. These men are not monks. They are troublemakers who should be executed. <clears throat> if I may, your majesty, one king to another. You're no king, you're an ape. Sun Wukong gritted his teeth, trying to ignore the slight. Five hundred years ago, he would have beaten the king to death for such an insult. But he was a monk now. He had vows to uphold. Nevertheless, your immortals are no immortals. I was once called the great sage equal to heaven, and I can tell an imposter when I see one. These are three charlatans who were holding 500 Buddhists as slaves. Sun Wukong, what are you doing? Trust me. I challenge your immortals to a contest. I will name three challenges, and if we can both accomplish them, we will submit to your judgment. Do not test us, little monkey. To my left is Deer Strength the Mortal, and to my right is Ram Strength the Mortal. I am called the Tiger Strength the Mortal. Cut off my arms and I can still fight. Cut off my legs and I can still walk. Cut off my head and I can still speak. My power is legendary. We'll do you first then. I'm perfectly ready to have my head cut off. Are you? The king nodded his head, assenting to the contest. Both the immortal and the monkey king would be decapitated immediately to prove the immortal's boast. The guards seized the monks and forced them out of the throne room. As they were dragged to the chopping block, Tripitaka slid up next to Sun Wukong and whispered to him, Please tell me you have a plan. His plan is to die. Your pessimism is not helpful, Wu Jin. The monkey is going to get us all killed! <clears throat> Relax, brothers. The only way to test an immortal is to put them in mortal danger and see if they can escape. I will be fine. They were brought out into a wide-open square, flanked by scores of armored guards. A small mound rose from the center of the square. A masked man stood beside it, honing a wickedly sharp dao on a whetstone. Sun Wukong strode calmly up to the executioner and grinned at him. The executioner blinked, mystified by his cheery victim. A moment later, the guards parted, admitting the king and his three immortals into the square. The tiger-strength immortal stepped forward. You were to go first, monkey. Or have you grown scared? Not at all. I was merely stretching my neck. The guards seized Sun Wukong and forced him onto his knees, head to the ground, Without giving the monkey another chance to quip, the executioner raised his sword and brought it down on Sun Wukong's neck. Sun Wukong's head separated from his shoulders, and the executioner kicked it towards the king. Amazingly, there was no blood from the stump. As the severed head rolled by, the immortals grinned in triumph. A moment later, a voice spoke from deep within the monkey's body. Head, return! The head started to roll back toward the next stump it had been separated from. Seeing this movement, the deer-strength immortal held out a hand, and the head stopped, pinned in place by magic. A moment passed. Grow! A new head sprung from Sun Wukong's shoulders, exactly where the old one had been. He turned his head back and forth, as if working a kink out of his neck. He strode over to his old head, picked it up, and chucked it over his shoulder dismissively. I don't need that anymore. Not possible. He's cleverer than we thought. Uh, he's known to have 72 transformations. He must have 72 heads as well. Your turn, Tiger Strength. The Tiger Strength immortal showed no fear as he approached the headsman. He opened his collar, exposing his throat, 
and kneeled down to accept the same treatment. But when the tiger-strength immortal's head attempted to return to its body, Sun Wukong worked his magic. He plucked a hair from his chest, and it transformed into a large dog. The dog snatched the head up and carried it away. The immortal strained, trying to grow a new head from its stump just like the monkey had done. Instead, blood spurted out, and the body fell into the dirt. The air around the carcass warped, and where the immortal lay was a headless, unmoving tiger. You have proven your immortality, monkey. Take your passports and be off. But your majesty, your two other immortals have yet to answer my challenge. That will not be necessary. We will accept this challenge, sire. This monkey's offenses cannot stand. Splendid! May I have a knife, please, Captain? I would like to rearrange my guts before we continue. Bemused, the captain of the guards handed Sun Wukong a knife. The monkey removed his tiger-skin robe, then accepted the blade. He pressed the point into his chest and made a precise cut down the center of his belly. He then opened the flaps of skin, revealing his own guts. <laughs> one never feels so naked as when one's entrails are exposed before a crowd. As the king, soldiers, and monks watched in amazement, Sun Wukong took his entrails out, inspected each organ, and placed them back inside himself. Then he blew on his chest and the incision sealed itself. He then returned the knife to the soldier. Ah, all better. Would you care to try, dear strength immortal? The second immortal smirked at the monkey. This was a simple trick that even a lesser immortal could have learned. He drew a knife and bared his chest. Beads of sweat formed on the immortal's brow as he cut into his stomach. But like Sun Wukong, he was able to expose his viscera without any ill effects. With the entire crowd's eyes off him, Sun Wukong plucked another hair from himself. It twisted and knotted back on itself, taking the shape of a hawk. The hawk dove toward the deer-strength immortal and snatched his guts away from him, chewing on the intestines as it flew off into the distance. The immortal gasped and sputtered before finally collapsing onto the ground. When his body hit the earth, it was that of a mutilated, dead white deer. As the onlookers muttered amongst themselves, the third so-called immortal seethed. He whirled on the king. A foul trick has been played upon us, your majesty. I must have my revenge. How? What ordeal could be worse than disembowelment? I wager he cannot survive bathing in boiling oil. On the king's command, a large iron tub was brought forward and filled to the brim with bubbling black grease. As the attendants poured the liquid in, a drop landed on the foot of the nearest servant. It sizzled, and the man howled in pain, jumping around on one foot. Tripitaka shuddered. He could not imagine his friend going into that substance without cooking himself to death. A glance to Chu Pachi and Sha Wujin confirmed they thought the same. The ram-strength immortal looked to Sun Wukong. His triumphant smirk was visible even from the crowd. He expected the monkey to go first. Tripitaka leaned forward, hands clasped. His heart pounded furiously in his chest. Chupachi gulped. Sha Wujin twiddled his skull necklace between his fingers. The monkey king took a running leap and dived into the oil. He vanished beneath the viscous black liquid without so much as a splash. 
he did not resurface. You see? He is the charlatan! Seize them! Wait, my lord, please. Now that our friend is dead, I do not care what happens to us, but please give me a moment to make an offering to his soul. Uh, very well. Then you shall be executed for heresy and murder. Tripitaka, Chu Pachi, and Sha Wu Jin knelt to pray for Sun Wukong's soul. None of them knew how they were to escape their dire situation. Up next, Tripitaka and the other monks face their inevitable fate without any hope of escape. Now the conclusion to our story. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, had finally committed to life as a monk, venturing west with the monk Tripitaka to recover sacred scrolls from the Buddha's temple. After years of adventuring, he attempted to challenge three malicious immortals for their lives. But on the third challenge, he vanished into a tub of boiling oil. Tripitaka was heartbroken. Mere moments away from their own executions, Tripitaka, Chupachi, and Sha Wujin took a bowl of rice broth each and offered it in memory of their fallen companion. Chupachi, you go first. Very well. Sun Wukong, I'm so happy to be rid of you, you despicable son of a- Pig, be respectful. I wonder if you'll make a good broth. What is the matter with you two? He was always rude to us when he was alive. It's what he would have wanted. Are you finished with your tributes? The guards closed in around the Buddhists. Tripitaka bowed and accepted his fate. Until a sound came from within the cauldron. I think my bath has gone cold, Your Majesty. Could you put more fuel on the fire? Tripitaka whirled around to see Sun Wukong splashing about in the boiling oil, cackling maniacally. Staying beneath the surface had been a prank. In spite of himself, Tripitaka felt a joyful grin tug at the edges of his mouth. The Monkey King climbed out of the bath and dried himself with a towel, singeing the cloth. He turned to the ram-strength immortal expectantly. The immortal snarled at Sun Wukong and began to disrobe. He took a deep breath and climbed into the bath. To the shock of everyone, he was also uninjured. Sun Wukong squinted at him distrustfully. What is the matter, monkey? Prepared to admit defeat? Something is not right here. Sun Wukong bounded up to the cauldron and plunged his hand into the bubbling oil. What are you doing? The Monkey King withdrew his hand, holding a pale blue serpent with scrambling legs. The so-called immortal had hidden an ice dragon in the bath to protect himself. For shame, little dragon! You know I am friends with the Dragon King of the East Sea? Be gone, lest I tell him that you have been aiding my enemy! The tiny dragon yelped and flew away, vanishing in a blink. Once it was gone, the ram-strength immortal began to squirm in discomfort. His squirms then became screams. He fought to escape the kettle, but it was too late. Soon, he had slipped beneath the churning black, cries drowned out by the bubbling oil. Attendants poured the kettle out onto the ground. The sizzling liquid spread over the sand, revealing the pearly white bones of a ram. The oil bath had burned the flesh away completely. The king watched this all with an expression of astonishment on his face. Uh, release them and return their passports. You may continue on your way, Buddhists. Do not feel too badly, sire. It is quite easy to be deceived by an animal spirit if you don't know what to look for. 
Get out of my sight, monkey! The guards returned Tripitaka's dragon horse, Yulong, and the five companions set off once again toward the west. After this encounter, Chu Pachi and Sha Wujin refrained from mocking the Monkey King as often, since he showed such ingenuity in saving their lives. As the months wore on, the land around them changed. The villages they passed were full of priests and pilgrims. The flowers they saw dotting the landscape were vividly colored and shimmered like gems. They were nearing Vulture Peak. A woman approached them as they passed through a Taoist village on the side of a mountain. Her eyes glimmered beneath her shawl, and Sun Wukong gasped in recognition. It was the Bodhisattva Guan Yin herself. Welcome, travelers. Greetings, Bodhisattva. Are we almost there? Yes, you are. I do not understand. You told us it would take only around three years to get to Vulture Peak. It has been almost 14. The path to enlightenment takes just as long as it needs. It is an impossible route to predict for anyone. Do you understand? I think so. There is not much left on your journey. Follow me. Following the Bodhisattva, the travelers ascended the mountain. They traveled day and night, the sun always shimmering just at the horizon. It was like time itself was holding its breath for the end of their journey. Finally, they arrived at Vulture Peak and entered the Buddha's temple. As they entered, they found the Buddha himself deep in conversation with Confucius. When they entered, Buddha turned and grinned. Welcome, monks. Your feet must be tired from walking all this way. Mighty Buddha, my name is Tan Sangzang. I was given the title Tripitaka after the sacred scrolls we are here to collect, if you deem us worthy, of course. If you were not worthy, you would not have even found my door. Ananda and Kashyapa have the scrolls you seek. Two of the Buddha's attendants guided them to a side room. It was full of scrolls stacked high on top of each other. Tripitaka fell to his knees in awe of the knowledge on display. Sun Wukong took the nearest and unfurled it. The scriptures were blank. The monks were shocked. Chu Pachi and Sha Wujin looked to Sun Wukong, almost expecting it was a prank of some kind. But Sun Wukong was just as mystified as the rest of them. The monkey flew back into the great hall. He found Buddha waiting, a pleased smile on his face. What is the meaning of this? Your advisors gave us scrolls that were completely blank. <laughs> I thought they might. They meant to jest with you, but you see, Sun Wukong, blank scrolls like these are the true scriptures, more true than the actual writings. But the texts do exist. Of course. To an enlightened mind, the blank text and the written are the same. My friend Tripitaka will look like a fool if he brings those back to China. It is true. The people of the mortal world are too ignorant to see any truth in the blank scrolls. We had better give them some with writing on them, shouldn't we? The Buddha clapped his hands, and the attendants brought out a team of horses laden with the scrolls. According to Buddha, they included over 5,000 individual texts, more than enough to satisfy the emperor. Tell your emperor to treasure these scrolls, for there is great wisdom in them, though not as great as the wisdom you have all earned in your journey. My Vajapanis will guide you home. I expect you back here in eight days. You will find that this time the trip will seem like the blink of an eye. The Buddha was right. The travelers faced no challenges on the way back, and when they brought their bounty into Chang'an, the emperor was overjoyed. He listened intently as the monks recounted their journey for him. When they had finished, he clapped his hands in delight and insisted that they throw a feast in Tripitaka's honor. 
The monk, however, had to decline. He and his four companions had an appointment with the Buddha. When they reached Vulture Peak for a second time, the Buddha welcomed them as if they were old friends. Tan Sang Zang, in a previous life you were the golden cicada, my second disciple. But your disobedience led you to being reborn in the East. Now you have proven yourself wise and worthy by recovering these scriptures. You will be known as Buddha of precocious merit. Thank you, Father Buddha. Sun Wukong, when you were young, you challenged all the forces of heaven and called yourself the great sage equal to heaven. But through your dedication to this monk, you may also achieve Buddhahood. You will be victorious fighting Buddha. I am honored. Xiao Wujin, I will make you an Arhat. You will have a place in heaven as well, though not as high as a Buddha. It is a far greater honor than I could have expected. Thank you. Yulong, for your role in this quest, I shall make you one of the eight elder dragons. The horse Tripitaka had been riding on for so many years shimmered and twisted, returning to its original form as a mighty dragon. Once the transformation was complete, Yulong bowed his dragon head to the Buddha in gratitude. Uh, what about me? Chupachi, you will be the cleanser of the altars. What? Why do you not make me a Buddha as well? You're still too greedy, my dear pig. An eternity of eating leftover offerings will suit you nicely. Sun Wukong cackled at Chu Pachi's lesser appointment, but Chu Pachi shrugged it off. The way the Buddha described it, it sounded like the best job in all the heavens. With all the rewards granted, Sun Wukong turned to Tripitaka. Master, now that we are both Buddhas, could you remove the circlet from my head? I want to smash it to pieces. Guan Yin spoke up from the Buddha's side. Try and remove it yourself. <gasps> There's nothing here! It dwindled away the more you behaved selflessly for your companions. When it sensed you were truly changed, the circlet vanished for good. Sun Wukong laughed in delight. All the spirits of heaven gathered around these five new immortals. They chanted praise to the Buddha of precocious spirit, the victorious fighting Buddha, the golden-haired Arhat, the heavenly dragon, and even the altar cleaner. The five heroes were welcomed into heaven alongside the Jade Emperor Lao Tzu and Buddha. 514 years after his rampage through the heavens, the Monkey King was finally accepted into his true home. For all its frequent adaptations and retellings, much of the Western analysis of Journey to the West fixates on its adventure elements while missing out on the themes that make it such an enduring tale. It's impossible to separate Journey to the West from its Buddhist origins, and its central arc contains a theme that makes it uniquely Eastern. Tripitaka, or Tan San Zong's simple goal to find the sacred scriptures, is not as key to the story as one might think. It's the sort of plot device Alfred Hitchcock would refer to as a MacGuffin, an objective that drives the plot but is ultimately secondary to the growth of the characters. The true goal of Journey to the West is not to bring enlightenment back to China, but for the titular monks to bring enlightenment to themselves. This is why their destination is not a specific location in India, but rather Vulture Peak, more of a state of mind than a real place. This theme is underlined with the fact that Wu Chengen's book takes 98 chapters to get to Vulture Peak, then spends only two on the return to China. Sun Wukong, the Monkey King, embodies this journey in a subtle way. Throughout their travels, he's combative, stubborn, and aggressive, 
But the ego that he showed in the first seven chapters slowly diminishes until he is selflessly following Tripitaka without concern for personal gain. This is why he achieves Buddhahood and his counterpart, Chupachi, does not. Their quest is itself an allegory for the journey one takes toward enlightenment, facing demons that are often created purely by your own karma. The goal is not to find a cheat sheet to understand the meaning of life, but rather to grow to understand the meaning, so that even a blank scroll would not be a disappointment. And even though the book puts great emphasis on the teachings of Buddhism, the text itself acknowledges that it's not the only way to enlightenment. In the second chapter of Journey to the West, a poem describes Sabuti teaching Sun Wukong his first lesson. Quote, He showed me that the three beliefs are basically the same. The man who taught the Monkey King his magic also tells the reader that even though this is a Buddhist story, all the philosophies depicted within it are valid paths to spiritual enlightenment. And if they allow time for a fun adventure on the way, all the better. Thanks again for tuning in to Mythology. We'll be back Tuesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Mythology and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Mythology, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Mythology on Spotify, just open the app, tap Browse, and type Mythology in the search bar. If you enjoy Mythology, you'll love my other podcast, Tales. Tales presents fairy tales the way they were originally told, orally and unadulterated. Traditional fairy tales aren't exactly suitable for children, and every other Saturday, we dive into another dark, classic tale. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back next week with another epic tale. Mythology is a Spotify original from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, Paul Mahler, Joshua Kern, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Mythology was written by Robert Teamstra, with writing assistance by Drew Cole. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Jerry Courtney Austin, Mike Capozzi, Brian Kim, Sky King, Drew Lawn, Harris Markson, Albert Park, Steve Pinto, Dan Velasquez, and Jen Wong. Mythology stars Vanessa Richardson. Mythology.